What's up, everybody, man? Welcome in the podcast. Let me let me make sure I specify this. The podcast, according to sources, A2S Network, <laughs> part of A Sports Network. You can follow us at A2S Pod One on Twitter. Hey, well, first, first, what happened? Because I, I don't be checking Twitter like that. Man, I logged in. I was like, man, what is BC got going on now? And then I look. I was like, oh, okay, this is nothing. I logged back off. But I seen what it was I about. Didn't, I didn't you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. I didn't even do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody tagged me in it, and it turned into like a whole thing or whatever. But come on, man. Like, I mean, no disrespect to nobody, but we've been, we've been getting it in for a minute under the act. So they yeah. can stop playing. Definitely. But yeah, them dudes was cool, you know what I'm saying? You know, we worked it all out. It was just a little misunderstanding. You know, yeah. I was just thinking my man came a little too aggressive out the gate. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But whatever, we figured it out. So tonight, before we get into it, of course, the best three-man weave in podcast land. I have my wings running with me on the break. My guy, Chris Kaysen at C4 Dunk. My boy, Brian Crawford at B underscore Craw 4D. And tonight, this is our NBA preview and our Chicago Bulls preview. And we also are going to talk about how the game has evolved and opened up. And we want to ask you, we put it out there on social media today. We ask you guys, our listeners and our followers, name a player from a previous era that you think would have had a much better career in this era and in the game today today's NBA. We got some very interesting answers. I look forward to seeing what you guys think about the answers we got from people and then seeing who you think. You know, a lot of people put people, uh, gave names that were already really good players, you know, but how much of a margin would they have been better because they were already good? Yeah. Was like, man, some names were guys that were a little bit bigger margin. You think they would have had a much better career, especially smaller guards that ran pick and roll that didn't run as much pick and roll in previous area eras. So we'll get to that. Uh, we got a little PG 13 stuff to talk about. I know BC wants to get to that. We'll talk about James Harden, his trade requests. And then uh, we're going to cover the Chicago bulls and what we think the expected win total from ESPN is very, very low. A lot of people think with the addition of Billy Donovan as the head coach, that the talent there is enough to make the playoffs. We'll get into that as well. But as always, we're going to start with the opening layups. So I go behind the back and throw this no-look bounce pass to UC4. What's on your mind? Uh, props to uh, Mark Cuban, Dallas Mavericks, for, you know, basically, you know, giving a little pardon gift to uh, J.J. Barea, you know, before releasing him. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things we can say about the Mavericks organization just the last few years that, you know, haven't been positive. But, I mean, the one thing that Cuban has done since, you know, um, stepping in as owner is he's made sure to, you know, even they haven't gotten like the top free agents, but he's made that as player friendly as an organization as possible. And doing little small moves like this goes a long way. And just, you know, guys take notice of things like this, especially a guy like, J.J. Barea, who isn't, you know, like a household name, but, you know, in terms of what he means to that organization, 11 years there, uh, won a championship there, uh, taking care of your players always goes a long way, you know, just in terms of optics for the players. So 
you know, shout out to Mark Cuban and Dallas for taking care of JJ. No look to my guy BC. What's on your mind? I'm gonna keep it in Texas. James Harden is a clown. That's it. <laughs> That's it's just that simple for you. Nothing else need to be said. Knock it off. C4, before we go into it, we mentioned we're gonna get to the uh the conferences and preview the season at large and then get to the Chicago Bulls. But before we do that, you've been doing great work with several outlets, GQ for dealing with health issues. You dealt had a great article about how the players were able to deal mentally and physically down in the bubble and the protocols with that. And you've dealt with other sports dealing with the pandemic and health issues. So when you see a report from Brian Windhorst today saying that the NBA may be moving to possibly mandate the use of vaccine league-wide for its players, and you see De'Aaron Fox and C.J. McCollum laugh at that report, you know, with everything that they have, because they did a great job in the bubble. Yeah. Zero cases in the bubble. Everything went off without a hitch. Uh, Michelle Roberts, Adam Silver. The players, everybody deserves a big round of applause. But with all of that being said, moving forward into this 72-game season, is this something that the MBPA should really take a look at? Or, you know, should they just educate the players and just fall back and let them decide on their own? Well, yeah, I think anytime where you're talking about mandating somebody, you know, take a vaccine, uh, you're going to face extreme pushback. I mean, the league, the NBA has been – you know, at the forefront of a lot of things, but, you know, I don't think, you know, there's lots of people in society when this vaccine is made available that aren't going to get, you know, this vaccination. And I know a lot of things are going to be predicated going forward. I think you'll see it a lot next year towards mid to end of the year. You're going to see a lot of things be mandated and predicated on people having take this, taken this vaccination, whether that's travel, whether that's entering uh, sporting venues, concerts, and things like that. I mean, I, I can understand it, but also, you know, it's almost like you're, you you already have people out here that don't want to wear masks. So, you know, to try and mandate people, you know, take a vaccination when a lot of people don't even trust the flu shot, you know, is um, not at all good. So I just see players are going to have, like, extreme pushback on this issue. BC? Um, I mean, you really can't mandate nobody to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that's just at the end of the day. You know, people don't have to exercise their personal choices on that. Um, you know, you mentioned the bubble. Nah, they didn't have no cases in the bubble, but I think what, how many players have tested positive so far? Like 58, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when you don't have that type of, you know, bubble environment where you can kind of control it, you're going to get cases like that's just that's just a matter of fact. Um, you know, you see <clears throat> you've seen it happen in, you know, baseball in the World Series. You've seen it happen already in the NFL. Um, so that's going to happen when you when you allow guys to kind of move, you know, in their element. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it, um, you know, with the Chicago Bulls, Garrett Temple tested positive. You know what I'm saying? Like he went home for Thanksgiving. He told people, you know, don't gather like that. He did it anyway. He, you know, he became positive. Um, so, I mean, that's just, that's just the risk you take and that's the reality that we live in, but you can't mandate anybody to, you know, put nothing in their body that, you know, that they don't know anything about, you know, that they don't consent to or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't, you know, 
Windhorse, y'all know how what I feel about that dude. So I'm gonna take that with a grain of salt. But you know, just for me personally, I don't think that's gonna happen because it's just not gonna go over well. You know, people got their own. You know, everybody got their own feelings about vaccines and stuff like that. So that's just not gonna happen. So of course, positive tests could put teams at a disadvantage throughout this 72 game season. You look at the Chicago Bulls, their training staff has been much maligned. We don't have to get into specifics, but, you know, they've got a new training staff, so that might bode well. But teams and organizations that have been at the top of the league, you think about Phoenix, and they've been long thought of as a great uh, staff out there in Phoenix, the way they take care of their players. Will this play into uh, the setup of testing and how teams go about making sure that they try to keep the positive rate down when it comes to COVID-19 for their particular teams, because all of the responsibility now lies with the individual teams rather than the league itself. I mean, you're going to have testing. That's just, you know, that's just a matter of fact, Portland just right. shut down. They, um, you know, they, they, uh, facility was it like last week or something like that. So, I mean, this is going to be a constant, constant state of testing. Like that's just what it is. You know, <clears throat> the guidelines have changed a little bit to where, you know, if a, if a player tests positive, he's got to quarantine for 10 days. So that amount of time is shorter. But again, I mean, if you if you're not controlling people's movements, you know, particularly when they're in their home cities, you can do it easy on the road. But when you're at home, you know, you don't know who they got, you know, coming in and out of the crib or around them in the car or whatever like that. So, right. I mean, it's just this is just what we live in. You know, this is just the era that we live in. Um, I'm interested to see you know, the fan aspect of it, too, because you got that. You got, like, I'm down here in the South. So, you know, New Orleans, they don't have fans in the arena. You know, they're going to probably bring the numbers down. They might do it in Memphis. Uh, so you'll have that dynamic, too. I think they're going to do it out in Utah. So right. it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of moving parts. But, I mean, but like I said, at the end of the day, you're going to have cases. Yeah, I think it all – I think the onus is going to once again fall on the players. I mean, you know, that's why they have this, like, rule. No clubs, no uh, gatherings over 15 people. Everything is going to fall on the players making sure, um, you know, they do their best to not put themselves in harm's way. So, I mean, but it's so difficult because, I mean, you're speaking with a lot of these guys who haven't been around their families for, you know, four, four months, three months. And, you know, now they're able to somewhat move around freely. So it's difficult. But, I mean, the onus is going to fall to the players. But the only thing the teams can do is just make sure uh, they're at a high standard when it comes um, in terms of protocol and making sure that the training staff is masked up around the players. But, I mean, there's really no way. Once the players are outside of your facility, you know, they're on their own. So that's why the onus is going to fall towards the players. Yeah, man. The NBA, with it being a 72-game series, I mean, season, and all the guys being professionals per se, I think you still will get the auto porters out there that will go and do their own thing, you know, get together in a large gathering. Garrett Temple, like you said, BC, he went home for Thanksgiving, and now he's positive. But I think it'll be totally different because what we're seeing in college football right now is that the season is already truncated. The yeah. bowls are already canceled. So what do these kids really have to play for after they lose two or three games and they know they're out of it? So now they're going to parties. They don't care. Like, why stay disciplined? And they're 19, 20-year-old kids. So 
We're literally you're grown men. You talking about grown men with money? You right. Know what I'm saying? That's right. Just, that right. just make it even worse. Makes it even worse. So I definitely think uh, we're going to see some issues, and we'll see which teams can be more disciplined. But that leads me right into what we want to talk about: the Chicago Bulls' first preseason game tomorrow night. Uh, Billy Donovan spoke today, and he said he doesn't see uh, a lot of the uh, top seven in the rotation going into the second half. So you'll see them a little bit first quarter, second quarter, second half. You'll start seeing uh, the youngsters and players that are trying to make the roster becoming the 14th and 15th guy on the roster. Denzel Valentine, Valentine is uh, dealing with another hamstring issue. Wasn't new. He deals with something each and every year. But I want to talk about Patrick Williams, the number four pick, man, out of Florida State. Do you guys think there was anything that went along with that pick? Does that tell you the direction? Or is it simply AK said they had no interest ever in moving up or trading up in the draft in his post-draft press conference? Do you believe him, number one? And number two, Patrick Williams, what are your thoughts about the pick? Uh, I'm not buying that. Like if you didn't, you know, if you didn't try to move up, like you just not doing your job, you know, that's just flat out. It was, you know, it was, in my opinion, it was better players, you know, that you could have moved up to get. I just think that he, I mean, I think Zach Levine was a non-starter in any, you know, in any type of conversation, and I just don't think they really had assets that anybody wanted, um, in order to move up and you know into one of those top three picks. As far as Patrick Williams, like, I'm sorry, um, what's his name? That's his name, right? Patrick? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm just, you know, it just remains to be seen. Like, the kid averaged nine points a game in college, and he came off the bench. Um, some of the things that I've been seeing is, you know, obviously there's been a lot of high praise coming from his own teammates or what have you, but they're going to do that. You know what I'm saying? So, right. you know, the real truth of the matter is, what can he do on the floor? I mean, I'm just <clears throat> I'm withhold judgment on the floors. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> His mom owns the floors back in North Carolina. That's what he did. He delivered for her in between practice and uh, school. So C4, the direction they took with this, and based upon everything AK said, post uh, draft. What are your thoughts about it? And you know, do you think they just took the best guy overall? they thought or they looked at long-term high ceiling when they looked at Patrick Williams. Yeah. I mean, and just going to like how they drafted, uh, well, how he drafted even in Denver. I mean, when you look at guys that failed to them uh, more recently, Michael Porter Jr. And Bo Bo, two guys that basically failed to him just because of injury history, right. guys that are very high ceiling guys. And we've seen, we saw that, you know, in the bubble, so I look at this kid and you just I just look at his physical makeup, six eight, strong. Um, you know, offensively probably needs to develop a little bit, but already looks like he has active feet and right. active hands on the defensive end. And I look at, you know, where he'll be playing, you know, three, probably some four, depending on some smaller lineups, but can step out and guard, you know, say because I mean, say in the clock situation, like quarter bull sticking on anybody to get a stop. So that's why I look at this kid as kind of being groomed into I don't want to like put this on him, but you know, I see a little bit of similarity to how the Pacers when they drafted uh Paul George 
and you know just how PG was used in Indiana that first that first series against Chicago where like all right we're going to stick him on D Rose at the end of the game just to slow him down or give him a different look you know because he's cooking uh, Darren Collinson uh, for most of the game so I look at this situation and I look at Otto Porter's injury history. Uh, his contract situation. I also look at Chandler Hutchinson, his injury history, and I look at this guy as probably being like a guy that they're grooming for, you know, that other wing spot. But he's also versatile enough to uh, move around on the floor defensively. Well, I will say this about him. He played at Florida State for Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah, he got that going for him. because Leonard, yeah. Leonard Hamilton is the only coach that I know in basketball that's never been fired. Look it up. He ain't never been fired. And he, you know, and he does a good job and, you know, and coaching guys and developing them. So, you know, like I said, I'm I'm skeptical. I'm iffy. I just got to see the kid play. That's it. You know, I've seen him. I've seen a couple of things. He looked like he got, you know, he got some he got some tools in his bag. You know, I've seen that. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of, you know, can he translate that, you know, to the NBA level? But like I said, my concern is, you know, you're coming off the bench at Florida State, you didn't start, you have a nine in the game. So if he can go from nine in college to 15 in the league, I'd be impressed with that. So, you know, we'll see. Like you said, you mentioned this, BC. Players have been very complimentary of him. I know Kobe White was complimentary of him, Zach Levine. Larry Markin pretty much spoke glowingly about this kid, about how physical he is especially on defense when he was sticking him in practice. But with all of these glowing comments, man, is this – I think recently I, I saw Casey Johnson tweet out that someone said that he's playing grown man basketball out there. And I didn't know how to take that. I'm like, okay, like is that saying that the rest of you guys are soft, you know, that he can just come in and play grown man basketball? Or at 19, is this kid less just somebody that we need to put our eyes on and say, man, he literally might come in physically ready to play the game and compete. Like you said, he needs to develop his offensive game, C4. He has some tools in the bag, like you said, BC. Man, but this might be somebody's second half of the season and we might see starting to really come up to the top of the uh, so-called, I guess, uh, pyramid of the hierarchy of this team as far as being a leader and possibly being one of the top players. Man, I'm going to wait till tomorrow night, man. He ain't played an NBA minute. <laughs> you know what I'm that's, saying? That's your so, summer league tomorrow night? Is your summer league? I mean, you know, I will say this. I like how they're doing it. What is it like? A, um, it's two games. Like a series. Basically. Yeah, they play like a yeah. series. So, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, and, you know, Billy Donovan, that's another good part of it, too, because obviously, you know, he's been in the league for a minute. But, you know, he's a good player development coach. Facts. Um, and he has a young team to where it's almost like a college squad. I mean, obviously, you got some vets on there like Levine and stuff like that. But, you know, you got Wendell Carter Jr. You got Kobe White. I mean, these kids with Kobe would definitely still be in college right now. So um, I think that right there would be a good mix. Um, you know, Billy Donovan, he's a – I think he's a decent coach. You know, he's still trying to get his NBA legs up on him, but he had a good start as far as like having some like all-star type players. So now you basically starting over. So we'll get to see, you know, how he can put his personality and his DNA on, on this team. But, you know, like I said, I'm going to wait till tomorrow, man, particularly on the rookie. 
I just want to see what he do. Yeah, I take that grown man basketball. I think when you got a guy who's, I mean, didn't start, you know, in college, but finished most of those games. And I just think coming in as a rookie, you want to you want to set a tone like you want to come in and leave a mark on it. So while most guys may be, you know, just walking through or something, this guy's game, this guy's game speed. So it can it can throw you off, especially if you're just you know, just going through your normal progressions and everything. This guy is like literally like, no, yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave my mark to go. right now. Exactly. So I think that's uh that speaks volumes just about, you know, what type of kid he is. And sound like you know, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another another good uh comparison. I mean, cause Jimmy was Jimmy his practices and uh, like the walkthroughs, those were his games at all. So I mean no, it's still that was a little bit too high expectations to put on a kid right now. We definitely got to see how he looks against NBA competition. But like I said, physically and defensively, like he looks like he's ready. Man, expected or projected win total according to ESPN for the Chicago Bulls in a 72 game season sits right at 29.9. That's what they're projecting 29 wins for this team. I don't see 29 wins getting you in the playoffs, even in the Eastern Conference. And uh, I don't you know. know I, I might get you in. Uh, we'll see. I think around 33, 33 to 35 is going to be. I mean, in the 82-game season, you can make the playoffs in the East with like 35 wins. And you, it's usually around 37, 38. Mm -hmm. mm. It's yeah. usually about 37, 38. I don't know. 7-8 usually like four or five games under 500. I feel like the Milwaukee, the Brandon Jennings teams, they made the they made the playoffs when you were like 35 wins. Okay, so yeah, in the 72-game season, you're thinking maybe 30, 32. Mm. Uh, you talking about to get in the playoffs? Because I think um, just 2019, who um uh, trying to think. I'm trying to think who made it because I'm thinking like I'll just give you I'm gonna give you seven through twelve in the Eastern Conference when it comes to projected win totals, right? Yeah. So I think anyway, last year, Orlando made it with like I mean obviously the season wins thirty three, like thirty three. Yeah, it was thirty three. Yeah, Brooklyn had thirty five. Yep. Yeah. So projected win totals, they have the Pacers at thirty eight point nine. That's in seventh place, eighth. Atlanta Hawks at 36, Washington Wizards at 34.9, Orlando Magic at 32.6, they have Charlotte at 31.1, and then 12, 29.9 is the Chicago Bulls with New York, Detroit, and Cleveland bringing up the rear. So uh, I don't know, man. A lot of people seem to think the addition of Billy Donovan makes this team a playoff team. I don't see it. Yeah, I think I just don't see it, man. I, I mean, they barely any unknowns. I they mean, barely they, missed the bubble. They barely missed the bubble. But they true. was out of it by like a couple games, right? No, they no, they they missed the bubble. <laughs> they I mean, missed, it wasn't by a lot though. They missed that. By, hey, no, they missed it, but it wasn't by a lot because what? No, twenty-two wins. Like, yeah, they. I mean, did the? I don't think the did the Hornets when make it? No, no, Phoenix was no. the last team to get in. Phoenix was last. Washington, Washington too. Yeah, Washington made it, and they had twenty-five wins, so about mm -hmm. three games. But 
Yeah, yeah they was three games out. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, and we know Boylan sucks. And I think, you know what I'm saying, Billy Donovan is a is a much better coach than him, like, without question. So, yeah, no, I mean, they could potentially be a playoff team in the 72-game season. It'll be a lot – you know, it'll have to be a lot of things that go right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Health is uh, the main issue. I mean, you got a lot of guys who – Lloyd Markinen, Wendell Carter, like, guys who missed, like, significant – Otto Porter who missed, like, some chunks. Games last year, but I think Total waste of money, man. Yeah, but what I think helps. Um, also, we go back to the Billy Donovan hire. Like being happy to come to work is like something that you can't quantify. Like in terms of like that win loss record, there were like times just the last two seasons, guys did not enjoy like coming into work. I mean, mm-hmm. when you put like a punch in clock at practice because you're trying to set this like tone and the players are like openly mocking it. Like it's not a good environment. So I think actually being in an environment now that's conducive to fostering like positivity and guys wanting coming in, coming into practice, guys wanting, you know, to hear what their coach has to say. I think that goes a long way. You know what? That's a perfect segue because last week, Larry marketing said he wanted to be here for the rest of his career. I I don't know if he would have, you know, echoed those sentiments if you had asked him this time last year if he wanted to be here for the rest of his career. Said he was looking forward to his agent making a deal before the deadline to go ahead and get that extension. I don't know if the Bulls will tender him. AK said they're working on it feverishly. They want to get it done. So that's interesting, the fact that they're working on the deal without seeing what output they'll get from Laurie Marketing, even under Billy Donovan. Man, that's crazy because, like, Lori need to prove, you know, so like, you right. got to show and prove, man. Like, you like, you got people basically thinking that, you you know, you regressed and, you know, you're probably not as good as advertised. My problem with that is, you know, just the simple fact that, yeah, you know, playing for Boylan sucked. Like, there's no question about that. He made it miserable coming in to work every day. But there's no excuse for you to check out. You know, you're a professional. You get played to play, you know, you get paid to play basketball. Nobody's probably more frustrated than Zach. He still went out there and played hard and did what he had to do. Now, I know Laurie was hurt. He had some injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, regardless, you got to be a professional. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be trying to negotiate nothing with him right now. Like, I need to see what you could do, like, period, point blank. Like, I need to see if you could actually play basketball the way, you know, you look like you could when you was a rookie. So I'm, I don't know what that you know. I don't know what that's about, but you know, maybe they seeing something that I'm not. But I have like zero confidence in Lloyd right now, like uh, until I actually see him, you know, perform on the court. Yeah, it's almost like C four. You can chime in. This is almost like I don't know if I really believe that. I know AK said that they're working, but is that AK saying more that man? Yeah, we're listening <clears throat> to his agent and what they have to say, and it's more of Laurie and his agent trying to make sure or make it happen before the deadline. Well, yeah, I think you, I mean, if you're a player that has dealt with like some injury history, you definitely want to lock up, you know, at least like, you know, some along the lines of four years or something where they're probably coming to disconnect is like, you know, that number, like what's the value. I mean, I think Laurie's probably played his best basketball under Fred Hoiberg 
mm-hmm. you know, so wasn't put in a position to utilize, you know, his skill set outside of his shooting, um, you know, under boiling. So uh, that's the one thing I'm interested to see a little bit tomorrow and just how what positions are you putting Laurie in? He's not a guy you can throw it to in the post and that guy is going to go to work. He has he's a player who's going to need to you're going to need to be creative, put him in some positions where he's catching the ball on the move, as opposed to him just being a, almost a decoy out there on the floor and just being a guy you kick it out to. I mean, seven feet, athletic. I mean, could do so much on the floor, can grab the ball, push it up the floor. I'm interested to see what type of positions Billy Donovan puts him in. Well, we'll be one thing to watch tomorrow night. Something that a lot of Bulls fans ask for, especially the second half of the season. Hey, BC, your boy gets the rock. Kobe White gets the rock. He is the point guard. It's his show. And uh, I'll do this. Over, under. I'll lay it at five for Kobe White averaging assists at the end of this season. Are you going over or under? It better be over. (laughs) Five is too low. What you talking about? Like, come on, man. Like, so what you want to set the over under at like seven? It need to be like seven, eight. You playing with Zach Levine. I was taking it to the fact that they probably will expect Kobe to score. And his mindset will probably be to score. Then who gonna who gonna who gonna distribute the ball? I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be him and Obviously, Zach and Kobe going to split right. all the ball handling duties. And the one thing that, I mean, I've even told Zach, Zach can get six to seven assists a game, like easily, just off of like simple dump off, just the way he gets to the rim. So I think that's, uh, that's one. You have of, to have players that can finish, though. That too, that too. And you have to put them in positions to where, you know, they're not just standing around or they don't feel engaged, you know, right. in what's going on out there on the floor. So... With Kobe, I would say, you know, I would give him probably over five. I would say five, like 5.8, you know, is manageable. Okay. Yeah, That's ridiculous. Your point guard shouldn't have fewer assists, you know, assisting you too. That's just ridiculous. I mean, depends on how, how you're asking. Is he really running, like, in offense or, like, are you looking to have, like, this equal opportunity offense where you're just pushing the pace and – you know, whoever whoever's got it going, you know, has it going. So that's what I mean. I'm not I'm not saying he Russell Westbrook, but like Russ was getting like what? How many assists was he getting the game on the Donald? Oh, we can't compare. Yeah. Right, that's true. <laughs> I mean, but I'm just saying, like, come on, man, you the point guard, five assists a game. That's college numbers. Yeah, but I mean, he barely averaged. Well, I mean, it is college. Yeah. But he averaged around right at five in college. You playing with better players, you know. You know, the the game is faster. You know, for you to get five in college and five in the NBA, and you to start in PG. I don't yeah, know, I, would say, man. I would say five point seven because I mean, if you look at it, if you're a, like a scoring guard and you're sharing, you know, a backcourt with you know, a guy who's going to have the ball in his hand, that's actually pretty manageable. I mean, look at, I think Kyrie last year probably averaged under under six assists or maybe a little bit above six. It was probably like 6.3 or yeah. something like that, if I remember. But, yeah, I'll say like right now. But he's going to get you 35. You can deal with that versus Kobe super streaky. 
Yeah, but it's only the second year. I mean, and this is like the first, the, like the first go around of being like the starting point guard, of being handed the keys to the offense. So, yeah, I would say five point seven. Who <laughs> think like Donovan is going to look to use him to score a lot too? I still think that's low, but I would hope he would get more than that. Kyrie was right at six point four last season. Six point okay. Six point four, and then Kemba. Who was another scoring lead point guard was at four point nine. Yeah. So you think about it, that five right there in that five range. Remember, had four point nine. Four point nine. Jason Tatum controls the ball a lot, man. That's true. Jay Tatum was really the main yeah. ball handler for that team. Brown there too. So you got yeah. it. It was his first wow. year in that system too. Yeah. That's embarrassingly low for Kimber. Not so, really. You, know, you like not when you consider like you're being put in like a lot of isolation situations because not only did Brad Stevens like all right, I want you comfortable in my offense, but we're gonna put some things in here that you're comfortable with doing too. So I mean, mm-hmm. not really, not really embarrassing because especially with the way the game is kind of played, and Kimberly is an ISO like an ISO guy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but then, like I said, you know, we had, I mean, I didn't say this, but, you know, we had shot on it talking about, you know, Trey can get 15 assists a game. Like, that's just, that's a big gap. That's a big gap. But then you're talking about elite passers, Trey is an elite passer. LaMelo is an elite passer. Bron is an elite passer. I don't think Kobe is an elite passer. That's just my personal opinion. So when I say Kobe can get five to six assists, I'm really expecting like him to supersede like middle ground. If I say Kobe, if you get six assists, we're good. If Lamelo I mean, Ball, if Lamelo Ball, no, if Trey Young got six assists, that's a disappointing season. That's true. He's probably, he's probably gonna have like you know he's gonna have the average thirty. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess like Chris I mean, said, he it, it just, what, 28 last year? Yeah. yeah. 28? I mean, it just depends on how, how Donovan uses him. Like, if you want him to be like, you know, one of your primary scorers where assists don't really matter, then right. I guess that makes sense, yeah. All right, let's, man, let's close this preview of the Bulls up. We talked about AK. We talked about Patrick Williams, his impact, and what we're looking forward to seeing on the court from him. Zach Levine, man, I think he was ranked – in the top 100 players from ESPN, he was ranked, came in about 58. <laughs> no Bulls in the top 50. These rankings were all over the place, man. I, I, they were just really – so bonus was ranked higher than Zach Levine. My question to you guys, how good is Zach Levine? We know he can score. Big picture, though, compare him to the rest of the league. Is Zach tier two? Tier three, do we dare go to tier four? I mean, how good is Zach Levine? I mean, he can get 25 a game. I mean, that's that's good. Yeah, that's really good. good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, any on any given night, Zach gonna get you 25. Like, that's the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, he can go into the 30s, 35. So, right. When you're talking about in a in, in an offense driven league, that's pretty exceptional. You know what I'm saying? Twenty five a game is pretty damn good. 
the problem, I mean, what hurts Zach is obviously the team he plays for, and they don't win a lot. So, you know, that's why he gets that disrespect. But them rankings are stupid, man. Like, I I stopped paying attention to that stuff long ago because I don't, I don't know who's writing it. I don't know what the criteria is. I don't know what they looking at. But this right here was pretty bad. Like, I've seen some bad ones like, you know, how they used to do Kobe back in the day. But that was that was pretty – that was awful, especially yeah. when you consider, like, the talent and who's who in the league today. For them to do Zach like that, that was crazy. It's I'll, I'll say this. It's the smartest marketing. It's right up there with the the Madden rankings and the 2K rating. You, you're going to get these guys pissed. You're going to have them retweet with their displeasure, which leads to more clicks from their fans to just go to ESPN. So, I mean, and then 2K, if you got players talking about the 2K ratings, you're going to go out and buy the game. Same thing with Madden. It's the smartest marketing, like, every time we get towards those, like, uh, points during the year. So I don't even take them – No, I don't think anybody really takes them seriously. I don't know how they – what they grade or how what the criteria is for these rankings, but it makes it makes no sense a lot of the times. But in terms of like generating interest, in terms of getting pissing players off, it does that every year. But it just makes everybody dumber too. Like the purpose of a ranking is to like, you know, you're supposed to give your honest assessment. Like your job in this business of sports journalism is to educate fans, not entertain them. You know what I'm saying? Like now Nobody knows what's going on anymore, man. And like that's the bad part. Nobody understands the game. This is so like you know when you when you put it in that context, that just that's ridiculous, man. That just that makes me sick because it's no wonder that everybody out here is stupid when he's talking about basketball because where they're going to for authorities is not is not helping them at all. Yeah. So when they take the floor tomorrow night, what are you looking at? Who are you watching more? The players or what they're running? And what Billy Donovan is trying to implement. Um, I don't know if I'm looking for anything specific, honestly. I, I mean, I guess the first thing I want to look at is chemistry. You know how how he's playing those guys and how they, you know, how they feeding off of each other. As far as like sets and things like that, I, I mean, I only really, I don't even really know if that's what you're really paying attention to in the preseason game. Um, particularly for this particular squad. And I just, I mean, obviously they're going to have some offense and things that they run, but just, I'm just interested to see how he uses players. You know, how do you use Lord? Like Chris said, you got to be creative. You know, we know what Zach is going to do. You know, how are you going to integrate, um, you know, Kobe? Like what role is he going to play? Is he going to be a facilitator or is he going to be, like I said, he going to be one of those guys that's jacked up and shooting it. So that's, you know, I'm just kind of just, I'm going into it with like no expectations whatsoever. And I just kind of want to, you know, watch the game and just kind of feel my way through it and see what Billy Donovan is doing and how these players, you know, I guess I don't know how they, um, you know, how they facilitate and how they, you know, run his offense. So I'm not looking for anything. I just want to see how they play. Yeah, I think the top three things for most fans, see for it, my fault. Go ahead, man. What do no, you know? I mean, yeah, they're like on the head. You're looking to see what they run. One thing I'm – interested to see is just um you know some of the guys that you know kind of feel like they're not part of things right. like Wendell can get lost out there uh sometimes like how do you how do you keep him engaged 
on the offensive end. You know, how how do you get easy bat baskets for Zach and Lowry? We know what Zach can do in terms of isolation, but that puts a huge strain on you. Like when you get to game 15, you know, when this guy's burning so much energy, trying to get his, get his own shot. Uh, so making things a little bit easier for them. I think Kobe may help a little bit, seeing how Kobe adjusts to now running the offense and getting guys like in position. I'm looking to see how vocal he is in terms of that. So I'll be looking at what they're running and like keeping all guys engaged on the offensive end because that translates into keeping them engaged on the defensive end as well. Yeah, I want to see not just tomorrow night, but I'll probably say going 15 to 20 games into the season. I really want to see – the impact of Mo Cheeks working with Kobe White. Like, man, will he see the game different? Will the game slow down for him a little bit more? That's what I want to see, the impact of Mo Cheeks on him. Of course, we're all going to watch the development of Patrick Williams. But then I, I want to see Laurie catch it at the three-point line. No fake, nothing. Just go, go get a charge. Like, just run somebody over. I just want to see you be aggressive. Just go get a charge. Go to the rim hard. Try to dunk on somebody. And don't just settle for the pass and the open three-point shot. Like, I want to see aggression from Larry Martin, especially if you want that contract. I need to see you more aggressive. Those are kind of the things. Like you said, Wendell, I want him to just stay healthy, C4. Yeah. Because you talk about the defense, BC and C4, and, like, who can they depend on? He really is that pillar defensively, at least to protect the rim, about the only one that they really have. And Patrick Williams, you know, he's a rim protector, but in the NBA, he's really only, what, six, seven, six, eight. Yeah. So, you know, he's going up against other big boys. So I don't yeah. know how much of a rim – how much you can depend on him to be that rim protector long term. Um, NBA. Wait, before we get Go off ahead. the Bulls, yeah. let me say this. Shout out to Garth Foreman for finessing his way into another job, man. <laughs> I gotta get it. I gotta get it to him. Yeah, to go give him his props. I had to give him his props. Man. Chicago Bulls, 29.9. They could make the playoffs. They'll be on the friend. Should be an exciting season, 72 games. Let's go to the NBA and let's start out with the Eastern Conference. Uh Giannis, Milwaukee, have they done enough? We have all the buzz up in Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie finally seeing the floor together. And then you have Miami, who they look like they're pretty much sitting pat. There was talk about them possibly going after Giannis via trade. Then you had talks now. James Harden is interested in going to Miami and also going to Milwaukee. The East for me, and then Philadelphia, they get Doc Rivers. A deal with them, of course, not only Doc Rivers, but your guy, Mr. Smallball, comes over into the front office from Houston as well. He's looking to bring James Harden to Philly, and Philly is balking at the fact that they don't want to give up or split Simmons and Embiid in order to get Harden. So that's a lot of storylines, and I think the most stable team might be, the two most stable teams might be the two teams that play for the Eastern Conference Championship in the bubble. As Boston and Miami, they both seem to have stand, stood pat. Of course, uh, Hayward ended up in Charlotte, got the bag from Michael Jordan. 
But, you know, Boston was stacked, and he really wasn't that influential on that young squad anyway. So how do you see the East playing out, man? Do you think Milwaukee – do you think Milwaukee, once again, will run it in the regular season? Or do you see uh, Miami and Boston getting better and taking that next step, not only to be good as they showed in postseason play in the bubble, but to be that standard in the Eastern Conference in the regular season as well? Well, when you're talking about Brooklyn. Well, I said – I mentioned them. But I said I know. The most stable. I just me personally, me personally, Brooklyn is the team I have to see. If we come through this same podcast 15 games in, I've seen Brooklyn, I've seen KD healthy. I know he's healthy. I've seen Kyrie healthy. The health is the only reason that I withhold my thought process in including Brooklyn in the top tier team. That's the only reason. I just haven't seen them. Well, I mean, okay, so in in that aspect, then yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you're gonna have Milwaukee as probably, you know, once again in the conversation. You know, you can't leave out Toronto, right? Um, you know, you can't leave out, uh, you know, Boston and Philly. You know, all of those teams have been there. You know, as, as long as Philly's healthy, you know, I think they're gonna be in the conversation. And then you got Miami. In that, like I said, in that respect, the teams that we've seen, and yeah, you know, those guys are going to be there. But I think, you know, the conversation then becomes, again, what's about Brooklyn? Like you said, you know, you got to see them. You know, we know what a healthy, you know, Kyrie looks like. We know what a healthy KD looks like. Um, and then obviously they got Steve Nash. Joe Harris. Yeah, they resigned Joe Harris. Steve Nash is the head coach. You know, so there's a lot of unknowns there. And you know, in that particular dynamic, but at the same time, they're going to be a problem. Yeah. And you know that, you know, they're yeah. going to be a problem, you know, and so Milwaukee, you got to, you know, you got to You know what? We talked about this offline. I consider them more of a problem. That's the team I, w- I don't want to see in a series. In the playoffs. Brooklyn? Yeah, I don't want to see Brooklyn. No, you don't want to see them. Like, I don't see them being the top seed in the regular season. I see them maybe two, maybe three. But if you ask me, like, yo, who are the, who, what's the combo I don't want to face in the playoffs? Kyrie and KD, if they're healthy, now. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. The only other combo, I think, uh, what? The Boston combo. Because, like, from a playoff standpoint, I like Jalen. I like that combo. But, see, here's my thing. You got to throw the bubble away. You know what I'm saying? Like, what happened in the bubble is not going to happen in the regular season. No, but we saw them as youngsters without Kyrie, you know, step well, yeah. up. And they're both improving. That's why I say that, because I see them still developing and both and both getting better. So I think they're going to be there. Giannis doesn't have – I don't know if Giannis even has that. Chris Middleton hasn't shown that he's that dude in the playoffs. So I don't know I mean, if Giannis has that guy, even with the moves they made. And be proud of you. Uh, so we talk about playoffs. KD and Kyrie might be the best duo come playoff time to carry a team. Yeah, I mean, I but I mean, you got so many question marks about them because of the injuries and things like that. Right. You know, Milwaukee, you really gotta wonder if Giannis is you know, I mean, if Giannis is there mentally. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta wonder about that. He's probably thinking about his future. Um Miami. 
They look good. Like I said, that's why you got to get rid of the bubble. You know, the Miami look good in that particular situation, but are they really that good? You know, you got to ask that question too. They were good in that particular moment, but are they really that good of a team? Um, so I would I, say this, Miami, if you go back and look in the regular season before the stoppage, Miami was banging Milwaukee. Yeah, they but played. I mean, but they yeah, didn't have Drew Holiday. That was just a bad have, matchup in Milwaukee. But they didn't have Drew Holiday either at that time. Oh, absolutely. But so Drew, Drew makes them better. Oh, so Drew and Giannis, they, just Drew solve the issues that Giannis has. No. I I I like I, I would disagree because now you have a guy he what he what he brings to them is versatility, and that's been the big knock, the biggest knock in Milwaukee the last couple of years. They've run the table the last two regular seasons, but when it gets to postseason times, like all right, you've done this the entire year, right. offensively and defensively. All right, we got the plan for that. Now, what are you going to do? There's no adjustments made at all. I mean, Giannis, you can't give the ball to Giannis the last two minutes of a game. He can't run. He can't uh, stonewall his way to the rim last two minutes of the game. I think Drew helps with that because now you, you have another guy. You can put the ball in his hands. All right, go go create a shot. Go get a guy a shot. Make, you know, use Giannis as a decoy. Giannis can get something moving to the rim. Giannis can get easier baskets. Giannis can get like a follow-up, you know, off a layup attempt or something. I mean, they've just been so predictable. So I think Drew, Drew helps that. Uh, Miami – probably I would say the best coach team in the Eastern conference. Um, so never want to like, like, count them out. yeah, can that, I mean, especially a team that, you know, we talk about all the time, the culture, any team that plays hard all the time, like it's good. I think Tyler hero is going to improve um, a lot. We're going to see like what he's going to do his second year. C4. Yeah. Just based off health. Were you shot that gave the bag to Gore? Just based off health. Is that Dragic? Yeah. Well, not really, because it's it's only like really it gives them flexibility next year. I think it's a team option on that uh second year, if I'm not mistaken. So no, not at all. I mean, for a guy to, you know, tear his fascia like first game of the finals and then still try and gut it out, yeah, play, you know, in that series. No, not what He's meant to that organization, so not at all. I mean, I was happy that they took care of Bam and didn't have him waiting on getting this deal. So, um, I mean, but that's just Miami uh, taking care of their players. So, no, I wasn't too surprised about that, though. Yeah, so let's go ahead. Let's talk about this. Let's go ahead and fast forward and project to the playoffs, right? Let's say everybody is healthy. Let's just get that standard. Give me your top three tandems going into the Eastern Conference playoffs? Top three? Top three. Uh, Kyrie and KD. That's one. Okay. Simmons and Embiid. Okay. Drew and Giannis. Okay. C4? Yeah, I would, I would say the same thing. I mean, you definitely want to put, like, Tatum and – Jalen in there, but I mean, I, I just look in terms of like you really can't do not to take anything away from those two guys, but when you look at Giannis, KD, Kyrie, these are guys who are just like 
offensively unstoppable. Giannis, to an extent, you know, if he's in the open court with the ball, get out the way. KD, seven foot, nothing you can do with him. Kyrie, handle, one of the best scorers in the game, can't do anything with him. And B, can do nothing with him on the low block. There's not a if he'll go to the low block. Well, I think I think that's a point of emphasis. Oh, Doc, yeah, Doc gonna send him yeah. down. There. Yeah, I think just trying to they'll still kind of struggle to figure out how to keep him and um, Simmons effective together. But yeah, I would say that would be my uh, top three tandems, uh, like going into the postseason as well. I think I will bump Simmons. For me, Simmons and MB will come in right behind Tatum and Brown. For me. I mean, I just it's preference. I just like those two young young dogs. I, I just, mean the thing about that is they got a third player though. They got Kimba. You know, Giannis and Drew ain't got nobody else. But then you know, same thing with Ben Simmons and MB. You talked about the impact of Drew. I don't care what additions Milwaukee makes. Nothing will be more impactful than Giannis being able to make shots. If Giannis is able to make shots, it changes everything for that team. Yeah, but, I mean, but everything. he can't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> can't shoot. And like Chris said, you know, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be stonewalling your way to the baskets, particularly not in the playoffs. And so no matter who you put around him or what you put around him. That's gonna be the Achilles heel. They're not gonna be able to get over that hump. Hey man, the DC nightlife just got born. Because wow. Russ, Russ, Russ is very much a family man. He ain't John I, Wall, dog. And, and so is Brad Bill. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, the excitement of John Wall being out in the clubs after each and every game, that's gone. That trade for you was very meh. I think it was meth for me as well, but I am interested in seeing the chemistry between Bill and uh, Russ, strictly from the fact that John Wall wasn't on the court. So I, I think having somebody on the court with him at that point guard position, I think that team, and Rui Hachimura, very underrated with how he played last year. He had a really good season yeah. as a rookie. I mean, I happen to I happen to think John Wall is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook. Woo! I disagree. Woo! I do agree, and I love John. I think I'm John is a better basketball player. I'm gonna player. give you five seconds to go ahead and snatch that back. Why? I mean, I'm just giving you the opportunity. You don't have to. No, I'm standing on that. I think. Um, I mean, I think. I think John Wall got more on his back. I think. I mean, in terms of being like an actual basketball player, Russ does what he does you know and, and and that's just gonna be that but i mean i'm in terms of total basketball playing ability in terms yeah. of skill yeah john wall got him by a mile c4 you said you disagree with that right yeah i mean you know and i love john but i just think i mean let's take away like accolades you you know every night what you're getting from russ like you, you can't really say that. You can only really say that about a handful of players in the league. And I know if he's not shooting well, I know he's still he's still getting guys easy shots. I know he's still putting pressure on the rim. So I just look at it in terms and just availability too, in terms of like health. And that's no fault of John Walls at all because injuries happen. But right. game in, game out, you know, you know every night that I can't I can't take the night off against Rust. At all, 
But I know what I'm going to get from John Wall every night. I'm going to get 15 to 20 points, get 12 assists, probably two, three steals a night. So the points may not be there, but I mean, in terms of if John Wall is healthy, he's going to give you that every single night. And like I said, he got more in his bag. I think, you know, he's a faster player. You know, he's more savvy with the ball and be, and he can score. Like, I'm not going to take that away from him. He can put the ball in the hole. The problem is just he's just been hurt a lot. But yeah. in terms of actual playing ability, give me John Wall. Now, yeah. Go ahead, C4. No, I say I see what you're looking at from like a tool tool standpoint. So yeah, yeah. we'd agree with you on a little bit. He has a little bit more. Russ is more like in the end, but yeah, I mean in terms of like what you can expect on the night in night in night out basis. I mean for me, I would take Russ over John. And I'm gonna say this: if what I've been seeing from John Wall and that jumper is real, if he got that, oh forget it, it's over. All right, let's slide to the left side, man, Western Conference. I was going to go to the top four teams and how you think it would play out. But the James Harden saga coming up, not reporting to camp. According to Stephen Silas, I guess, you know, he's supposed to report as soon as he's clear of COVID protocol. And that might be tomorrow, according to reports. Who knows? Uh, now it's coming out that he's open. Not only going to Philly, but he's open to going to Miami and Milwaukee as well. And then I want to talk about Paul George, man. He gets four extra years added to his deal. With all the equity, draft equity that the Clippers gave up, I guess they had to do this because to go into the same summer with Kawhi and PG being able to walk after you gave up all of that draft equity, that would have been a disaster especially if they both decided to walk. So to lock him up, I see why Bomber might have wanted to do it and why the organization might have wanted to do it. We're going to get to this in true for trash, but PG has just – now I saw clips that all, you know, the interview he did with the guys, Matt Barnes and Jack, in my opinion, just didn't make him look good. He, always, he came off a terrible performance and the playoffs in the bubble. But some of the stuff he talked about with Doc Rivers and then the statement about, you know, him being back with his trainer when, you know, when he was an MVP or when he was in his MVP mode. And I'm like, dude, like, just play, man. Just play, period. Because blaming Doc for giving you more pin downs than putting the ball in your hand. Like, you're playing with Kawhi Leonard, bro. He's going to have the ball in his hands more than you. And, <laughs> and talking about adjustments, like Doc Rivers, when Doc Rivers finally responded to it, he was like, yo, his coach was on the bench with me. Like Tyloo was next to me. So I don't know what yeah. adjustments he expects. Yeah. But it is what it is. Man, listen, Paul George has been soft since Indiana, man. Like for real. Like I remember when I had my old Twitter account, he was doing all that talking when he thought the Pacers was going to beat the Bulls and then they ended up taking the L, I ended up saying something to him about it and he blocked me, you know, but you don't like for real, like, but you was doing all that talking before, you know, and that's just what he does. He, he just a lot of mouth, man. Like for real, like he just a lot of mouth. He's a great basketball player, particularly, you know, like if he get rolling, there ain't really nothing you could do with Paul George, but you know, mentally, I just don't think he as, as tough as you would like to see, for a guy of that caliber, 
you know, this is the same dude that basically said he checked out in the bubble, said that on TV in the post-game interview. You know what I'm saying? So you can't really be surprised at, you know, what he says on the podcast with two other guys, yeah. you know, two other basketball guys. So I'm thinking, you know, I just think – and then, you know, his life choices. A man popped that pee, <laughs> you know. So that's just really all you need to know about Paul George. But he's checking the bag. I can't even – you know, I can't – I can't take that from him. He made his money. No, I would just say um, he's like one of, one of those guys that, you know, here hears everything. You know, he's checking everything. Like, if I were him, like, you see, Kawhi, well, Kawhi is always quiet, but, you know, Kawhi is not coming out making any proclamations. It's just right to work. Like, if I'm PG, I'm taking that same mindset. There's no reason for me to go sit down with Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson, and talk right now. Like, hey, like everything. You look at Giannis. Giannis had the disappointing playoffs. He's not making no proclamations or anything. But you know, just come out, just come out and hoop. That's it. That's all you have to do. Right. You don't have to defend yourself. All you can, pretty much, all you can do is go out there and hoop. Like whatever happened in the bubble. That's over. You don't have to explain it anymore. You didn't just say, hey, I didn't play up to my expectations or up to what my capabilities are. I'm going to be better and move on from it. He shouldn't have been on Twitter, anything. Like this little offseason that they had should have all been about, like, getting better and just focusing on next season. Because yeah, now, with you coming out with all these proclamations and saying, you know, um, I'm on everybody's ass to start the season – all right, come out and have a slow start to the season. Right. All that stuff comes right back around you. Now you just signed the contract. And props props to Showtime, they released that PG interview right after the announcement of that deal. So that was great timing yeah. on that part. But, yeah, I mean, you don't need to talk at all. We know what you're capable of. You're an all-star. Just come out and hoop because what you're saying, all of this stuff, you're putting a bigger target on your back. You don't really have as good a team as you did last year because you lost Trez. So all that onus is going to – you're just putting a bigger target on your back. Yeah, Catrez went right across the hallway very quietly. Got the bag like, I'll see y'all. I mean, they winning over there. Man, are they head and shoulders above everybody else? Talent-wise, yeah. No question. No question about that. Um, is this the year AD jumps up into the MVP conversation? That I don't know. I mean, you would like to see it, but it ain't, you know, it ain't like one of them situations where you can just be like, yeah, like he about to do that. Um, you know, he has to, you know, he has to just be dominant, like from the gate. And he has the ability and eat like he could have got MVP a long time ago, you know, and he has the ability and the ability, you know, and the, the skill set, you know, he's been in the league long enough to be able to do that. He just, he just got to get it done. Yeah, health health wise, yeah, he just has to stay healthy. Anthony Davis, like easy, you can like chalk him up to damn near like twenty six and twelve, mm -hmm. and close to three blocks. I mean, I think now with LeBron, kind of, it's hard to even say near in the end, but like I would say he'll probably they'll play through AD a lot more. I think, you know, this year. But I also I want to see how they manage them as well, just because you have such a short, um, you know, a short turnaround, you know, from the championship 
yeah. now we're in training camp, now in the season. I want to see how they manage their minutes and their load without, you know, garnering fines from the league because you can't really rest players like now without getting like, what, a $100,000 fine? So, yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see how they manage them. But AD, I don't, I don't think the MVP really is like – it may be an individual goal, but I don't think it's a true focus. Mm-hmm. But he's definitely capable. Plus, he, and plus, you playing with LeBron, so exactly, yeah. He's gonna, you, he's ain't gonna never, you ain't gonna never get that 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 real, true, honest look. Yep. So, BC, I'm about to set it up on the tee for you. All right. I'm gonna ask this question, and I'm gonna segue into like a perfect, perfect scenario for you. It's what you always wanted. How devastating is the Clay Thompson injury to the long term? outlook on golden state right because this was supposed to be the resurgence of golden state after kd leaves everybody comes back the core comes back they get wiseman or whoever's going to be the number two pick here's golden state challenging and contending once again how devastating is that to them moving not just this year but moving forward and what they thought they had over the next three or four years and then just for the league itself to lose one of your top teams, you know, how impactful do you think it'll be? I mean, it's always devastating when you lose a guy like Clay. You know, he you know, he tore the ACL, then he come back and blow the Achilles. So you're talking about two missed seasons. Yeah. That's just that's just always devastating. Like no, you know, nobody's gonna be able to, you know bounce back from that like you can't duplicate that the thing now is we get to see for me how good how good is Steph really how good is Steph Curry y'all know me I've been saying like for the longest like you swap out Dame and Steph Dame can do what Steph can do but I don't know if Steph can do what Dame can do now we get to find out we, we get to see if it's really real and you know you got, you know, you got a smaller one to work with. You only got 72 games. You got some pretty decent talent. You got Andrew Wiggins. You got Kelly Oubre, which I thought was a good pickup for them. That was super smart for them to do that because you try to offset that a little bit because Oubre is, you know, he's he's hell on defense on the perimeter. Um, but it puts a lot of pressure on staff, a ton of pressure because you're coming off your own injuries. We ain't seen you in a while either. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a lot of pressure on him. But, you know, all those – Steph fans and dudes who call me a hater and call me crazy because I take Dame over Steph. Now we gonna see. Yeah, definitely devastating to the league when you talk about an organization that for what I would say six out of the last seven years, you know, been like, well, five out of the last six have been just dominant. So mm-hmm. just missing a guy like that is it it, it shrinks the court kind of now because playing with those two guys there's no I don't think not enough um headlines is given to how difficult it is having two guys like on opposite ends of the court who garner that level of attention defensively especially as far back as they can pull defenses out so definitely a big blow but like BC says there's so much now put on the shoulders of Steph now to not only lead but to Basically, let's see what you got now, because everybody in the West got stronger. Damn near mm-hmm. everybody in the West is a gauntlet. Like so, and now you got now you got John Moran in the in the fold now. So you got to deal with that. So 
it's going to be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, it sucks for a guy who working your way back from – I think we look at ACL injuries now. It's like, oh, okay, he'll be back next season. We don't think about, you know, the mental component of that. We don't think about guys having to shake rust off, like getting comfortable again, like taking contact or being out on the floor with pro-level competition and even getting the confidence back to do some of the things you do. Now, like – Achilles injury on top of that. So now you're away from NBA competition for two years, and now you got to go right back. You got to rewind that entire process. That's why I look at, you know, John Wall's situation. I want to see how he looks. I look at DeMarcus Cousin, his situation. Like, what is he kind of look? Because when you're away from the game, they're like, you're still an NBA player, but like, you lose a little bit of that time, man. Like, you can't get that back at all. But I think all of those guys are good enough like in terms of mental aspect to be able to like compensate for some of the things that they're going to lose physically but it just sucks that you know we won't we won't get to see the splash brothers play this year man when clay come back the pandemic gonna be over man seriously (laughs) seriously i think five through ten in the west is going to be like something to watch it's a gauntlet it's gonna be a gauntlet outlet outright battle like each and every night you know, especially when you now you add Phoenix yeah. in CP3, you throw them in the mix. Memphis was right there battling for seven and eight. Matter of fact, Memphis, I want I think had gotten all the way up to like five, six. Yeah. At one point. You got Utah, you got New Orleans. Like yeah. so goes to New Orleans. That's a strange mix with him and Lonzo in the backcourt. Yeah. Strange mix. Brandon Ingram and Zion getting better. I just, man, I know they got Steven Adams to help them defend the rim and give them a presence in the paint. But some of the moves they made, I just. They got guard for me. <laughs> that was one of the moves they made. <laughs> you got to laugh. You got to laugh from my boy Tony Gill in the comments when you <laughs> gave a shout out to guard for me. <laughs> Keep getting those checks, guys. Keep getting those checks, man. Keep getting them checks. Hey, man, we only have one truth for trash as we get ready to slide up out of here, dude. A player went on a podcast called Road Tripping and said he feels like he's won the two toughest championships in NBA history. <laughs> truth for trash, man. Ah, uh, you know what? Yeah. He ain't lying. All right. He ain't lying. That's real. Like you, you know, you're the first one to come back from three-one in the finals. Give you that against you that. Know, you, against that team. Yeah. Give you that. And in the bubble, I'm gonna give you that too. Like it ain't no question. Like that was tough. That was hard. But living in a hotel room for how how many weeks was it? Ten weeks, something like that. Four months. Yeah. Four months, man. So yeah, no, nah, I look, hey, I can't even I can't even front. He 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 right about that. That's that's a hundred percent true. C four, you you agree? Oh yeah. I mean, coming back three one against the team that had the best record in NBA history and on the road, like on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then the bubble, just like I think one thing that I'm glad is players talking about their experience in the bubble. There's, I don't think they can do any justice to how difficult 
just their time there was because you think about it, a lot of guys are like reclusive. So imagine yeah. not like going out in the hotel and you see your opponents with you. Not not every guy's like buddy buddy. Like I don't want to see that dude. I gotta play this dude. I gotta play this dude in like an hour. Like right. I want to go out there. So to be away from your family, you know, being away from just like society as a whole while everything was going on in terms of protests in terms of like the pandemic like i don't think we'll ever like we can't quantify how difficult that was the situation i know with lebron every time he says something it's just like man come on dude but yeah i i, I have to agree with him on that yeah man was, jamal murray and spider mitchell dropped 50s and they see each other at the pool right like, that's crazy. you know <laughs> you want to swing right. Out the <laughs> right. All right, man, let's get out of here, dude. Flavor in your ear, what you been listening to? Man, I've been listening to Stove God Cooks. Nice. Nice. Yeah, like, and I know that, you know, that album came out like a minute ago. Not listened to it, I heard it, you know, it was decent, but then, like, I just got back into it like a couple weeks. I'm like, man, this is banging. So I've been listening to that. The drought. All right. Me, I've been like on RB tip. Uh, been listening to Alex uh Isley a lot. Um, you know, going to some Neo Soul, got some Jill Scott in there, some America Badu. So, yeah, yo, I've been listening, man. That uh, Jasmine Sullivan, I like it a lot. Check that out, man. I like it a lot, and uh. That's pretty much it. I did last week, I think, because it was like the anniversary. I ran through that American Gangster. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have an interesting versus, man. Interesting versus. Young Money versus Cash Money. Who wins? Cash Money. I'm I'm leaning that way too. But oh, Nikki oh, great heavyweights. Who are we including on that? On your you have to divide. C4, you're right. You have to divide like what Wayne projects uh-huh. go to Young Money versus Cash Money. See, like where I draw the line is like I don't really count. I mean, even though I know he was, I don't really count Drake as Young Money like that. Yeah, that's another thing. That's why I said, who are we? Who are we including on that? Yeah, I don't know how this new versus got set up too. I mean, you got Ashanti against Keisha Cole. Like, yeah, man. man, I'm not gonna even. I'm that not, might be the lowest rated versus of all time. I love I'm not watching it. Yeah, that one. That was not fair. I'm cool on that. That was not fair. Yeah. Also, I've been listening to is a shameless plug, man. My daughter Ari Camille just dropped her first single. It's called Strawberry. It's available on iTunes. You go to iTunes, search Ari Camille. It'll pop up our first single. She'll be shooting the video out in LA next month. So I'm extremely proud of her, man. She she mixed it, she produced it, she wrote it. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, so that's why we're paying all that money. And then I look, yo, I do want to say this because I'm watching my man on TV. Ten years ago today was the first time I met Kobe Bryant when the Lakers came. And played the Bulls, and it was just like just a dope experience. Like I put it on Twitter, I put it in my fleets or whatever. He was super cool, and so that was crazy that like today is that day. So 
got to put that out there. And then, you know, rest in peace to my boy, Jay Almighty. Uh, his birthday is today, too. So December 10th is a, is a is an interesting day for me today. Like That's a lot of things coming together. Yeah. All, all love. Love, Cole, Bean. Still can't believe it. Now, I'm coming up on a year. I don't want people to even bring it up because I feel like if you don't bring it up, I don't have to deal with it. Yeah, he's right. Like, he's literally still here. Like, I just feel that, but I know he's not. Hey, before we get out of here, we put it out there. I poll questions to people today, man. Give me a player, a couple of players, man, you think in this era would have had a much, much better career. I'm going to give you some names people gave, right? Uh, somebody said Marcus Candy. Somebody said uh, Dana Barrows, Latrell Sprewell, uh, minus the choking. <laughs> somebody said tim legler in this era he would have been nasty somebody actually said doug christie jamal mashburn Ooh. brad sellers antoine walker lamar odom um i threw out rod strickland because i think rod in this era would it be more being he already finished was one of the best finishers at the rim you give him some more space, I think Rob would have been like 2010 mm. annually. Well, I think Marcus Canby would have been food. But um, <laughs> <laughs> my guys would probably be, man, Mark Price would probably cook in this era. Um, Terrell Brandon would cook in this era. Good one. Mark Moo would cook in this era. Definitely. Um, Mashburn most definitely would get busy. That would be ridiculous. Uh, Walt Williams, man, the wizard would probably the get, yeah, the wizard would probably, you know, he'd probably do some stuff too. What and, about Tim Thomas? You think Tim Thomas? Oh, would yeah. oh Tim Thomas would get busy. What? Easy. You ain't got to guard nobody. Yeah. And you get to shoot. Man, that's his game. <laughs> yeah, as the game was evolved. It's a lot of cats from the past that I would have loved to see in today's NBA. I'm going to throw some, like, unusual ones out there. Uh, me, Matt Okor. Mm. Hey, Darren Williams just talked about him today. On where? Uh, he, was, he did an interview on the Knuckleheads podcast. Oh, dude, Darius Miles was another guy I was going to bring up. Miles, yeah. Um, Darren and Mehmet had skills. Man, come on, work. Dude, pick him, yeah. pick him up. Yeah. Yep, man. Big. I ain't got to go down low. I can stay out call. here. Please. That's a good call. Man, I said, who I said? D Miles, we met core. Um oh she. She, Chris Bosch. Um mm. think about like even going back to, I mean, these guys were already like kind of Hall of Famous, but Chris Weber in this era. Like Man, there's so many guys I can think of. I just want to throw me Matt out there because, like, I used to love watching that Utah Utah team. I got to check that uh, that podcast out. Podcast. One of the things that stood out to me that he said, as much as you know, it's been said that he got Jerry Sloan fired, and he talked about the tension between him and Jerry Sloan and what he put him through just to be able to become the starting point guard. He said, man, sometimes you don't appreciate what you have until you go. And he said, being in Brooklyn, man. I mean, Brooklyn just yet, New yeah. Jersey. 
Made him love Jerry Sloan more and more, dude. He went to New Jersey first. And yeah, like, New Jersey, right. Now yeah, got, got his first taste of like losing, losing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yo, that's a great. Somebody said Brad Sellers, Steve Francis. I say Baron Davis, yo. Baron Davis cooking regardless. Right. I'll say Mary David. You talk about we could throw Gil, Gil, Gil in there. Gil, Gil, Gil would be Gil would be averaging 35 easily. Arenas? Oh yeah. Yeah, easily. Absolutely. Like we talk about, I think we'd be talking about, we wouldn't even be talking about, we'll still be talking about Steph and Dame, but they would come after Gil. Mm -hmm. That's how much I love that uh Gil. I got somebody for you. Bobby Sura. Mm -mm. I think Bobby Sewer would have been a little. Bobby Sewer was decent, yo. Couldn't shoot. But I mean, if you're growing up in today's game, that's something you're actually yeah. trying to do. Yeah, you got to put the ball. You got to be able to shoot. You know what I'm saying? I have to think on that one. Yeah, I think so. on that one. I so. See, I'm trying to go with guys that are like wide margin, not guys that are like we knew were good. Right, right. Guys that were kind of like, eh. But if you put them in today's game, it's like, okay, they would have been in their bag. Maybe. Yeah. I think Steve Smith in this era. Too slow. I mean, uh, he still he had hurt. Yo. knees hurting college. What about Bonzi Wells? That's the thing. He's a post-up guard because he – I kind of look at – I was going to say even Quentin Richardson, but those guys were like post-up. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's difficult me seeing them. Like you're not, we saying Melo can't even really do what Melo wants to do, right? There, so a young Melo would cook right now. Forties, forties. Ooh, easy. Young Melo, right now. Yeah, he he'll lead the league in scoring. Ain't no question. T Mac too. It would be ridiculous. Oh, yeah, T-Mac would have been. That's a cheat code for him. Yeah. That's a cheat code. You spread the floor with three other guys, three, four other guys that can shoot, it's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap. How much better is Ivo in this game? Game spread wide open. You yeah. Give them, like, access and, you can't and you can't touch them. You can't touch them. 40s. 40s. I got one for you. That I know for a fact would have been better in today's game. That cat skinny Anderson. Mm. Kenny would have been due. Cause I don't think Kenny had the same freedom pick and roll. Probably not. No, he was trying to get the ball down to D to D. Well, yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. I say, yeah, I'm trying to think. Open game today. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think Kenny would have been much better. Probably. Hey, so. you make Derek Coleman's skill set, though. Yeah, there, yeah. Would have fit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He could have played, too. Yeah. yeah. What about Billy Owens? Yeah. Nah. Hype. <laughs> hype. Still would have been hype. <laughs> But that's it, man. That's the podcast according to sources. That's our NBA and Chicago Bulls season preview. We hope you enjoyed it. 
As always, you can go to iTunes, type in A2S Network or the podcast according to sources, and you'll be able to find us. We want to differentiate. If you're trying to follow us, you can follow us at A2S <laughs> one just to make sure you can differentiate right. pod one and you'll find us, man. For my guys, the best three-man weaving podcast land, my guys running the wing, C4 Dunk, Brian Crawford, three dudes from the game, talking about the game and love the game. We'll see you next time right here, the podcast according to sources. <laughs>